welcome back to another episode. I think it's been... I feel rusty, man. I'm all nervous. It's been eight weeks, I think, since we interviewed a guest. And I usually interview someone every single week, but we went on a bit of a hiatus. And we've been doing kind of solo episodes, do like to travel and all this stuff. So you're the first guest back from... I think we had like Grant Cardone, Robert Green, Taylor Welch, Tim Francis before that. And now it's been like eight weeks. I'm a little rusty. And I'm just excited to get back into talking about real stuff with real entrepreneurs right in the trenches. So today we've got Dan Martell. How you doing? I'm doing incredible, man. I appreciate you having me on, Lucas. You've been you've been in this game since you were 17, which yep. I love. There's so much knowledge and experience floating in that beautiful brain. We've got about 20 minutes to extract as much of it as I can for both myself and the listeners. You're also a Canadian, which gives you a instant credibility of nice guy. We were arguing with some Americans yesterday of like, they were like, why are Canadians so nice? And I, I, I didn't know why, but for the most part, I have not yet met a Canadian entrepreneur that just wasn't generous in giving. And maybe I'm biased because I'm Canadian, but I'm super pumped that you're Canadian. And we've had a lot of Canadians on the show as of late. So that's cool. And... Um, if I got this right, you had two or three failed, you probably have more than three failed businesses. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but you've seen failure and success. So your knowledge doesn't come from a place of bias of, you know, you did something at 17 and you just rode the wave and and made millions and just had this beautiful, successful life. You've seen a lot of failure, which I really want to learn from because that's where the wisdom I think really lays. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Two failed companies out of the gate. Um, what's even crazier is, I grew up, you know, in and out of prison as a teenager and it was in rehab where I discovered writing software and it literally saved my life and kind of became my new addiction. And I look at entrepreneurship as the ultimate personal development program. So and then since there, you know, I just started young. I finally figured out when I was 23, I I started reading business books, which sounds crazy. Um, and I hired a business coach, this guy named Bob Simpson. He was a E-Myth certified coach, Mr. Bob. And he showed me, cause I was just, I was just sick of failing. I was like, okay, I'm not an idiot, right? I'm a software developer, but clearly I'm missing some stuff. And, you know, since then I feel super, you know, lucky and blessed to have built three companies that I've exited multi-million dollar exits. Um, the last two were venture backed out of San Francisco. So I'm Canadian, but I left home when I was 21. Spent a lot of time in the U.S. down in San Francisco, built a company called Clarity, Flowtown, um, and started investing when I was as an angel investor when I was 26. I've done over 40 investments. Four of those are billion-dollar companies. I got three IPOs that are about to happen in the next six months, which is really exciting. Um my life today, I'm an operator. I build companies. I, I do have the largest training and coaching company in the world for very specific niche of business to business software as a service entrepreneurs. So I coach, you know, a lot of people that are in the coaching space, you know, ClickFunnels, uh, Alex Becker, Ryan Dice, Ryan Levesque. Um, pretty much if you're an influencer or thought leader and you have a software company, uh, you'll end up in my inbox. Uh, because it's all I do. It's what I know how to do. It's what I've done for myself. It's what I've, and then I also have High Speed Ventures, which is kind of like my family office holdings company where I buy and scale software companies. Because again, like I teach it, and I have a whole coaching team to do that and to help people get incredible results. And then I also implement the exact same strategies I teach over there on the companies that I own in my own portfolio. So you're in the trenches. I don't know. You're in the trenches. Yeah. I'm, 
hundred percent. And the the more money I make and the richer I get, the harder I work. That's my yeah. philosophy. I designed the game to be the infinite game that I never have to stop playing. And the core of what I do, and I think you know we've resonated on, is just the real organizational development aspect of things. Like other people will teach you how to build marketing funnels and sales scripts and and that kind of stuff, which is the chocolate. I'm more the broccoli. I'll give you the chocolate. I will teach you how to dominate uh, your demand generation processes and sales conversion techniques and scale out teams. But what I think is the um, kind of the bastard stepchild of, of, of coaching is the real meat and yeah. potatoes of how do you design your org chart? How do you effectively delegate? How do you hire top talent? How do you compensate those people? How do you build an entity that will have value way past your time here? Honestly, like just, I think, you know, I'll break it down. We can go wherever you want, Lucas. But sure. a long time ago, it occurred to me, it was right after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I didn't read it in that book, I don't think. But he talked about the the, the, the Rich Dad quadrant. And I I thought of like time and money are these two things. Like everybody has the same amount of time, money is fluid, and if I trade my time, I get money. But but that's like very level one, that's for a lot of people that are employees, people that are afraid of risk. Because you can be an employee and still not have that equation. If you wanna do commission-based sales, like I have a lot of my leadership team, they're on a performance, they have a base plus a variable. Okay, so there is no upper limit. It's dependent on their creativity and their throughput, et cetera. So it's not about employee or not. It's just, are you willing to take risk and bet on yourself? So time for money. Then if you get smart, you'll trade some of that money for time, right? So you'll start redeploying the capital and that's called the buyback principle. Um, And we can dig into that. And and if you build enough of that, you build a team, you build some some revenue and some wealth, then you learn how to trade money for money. And that for me was my angel investments in the early days. That today is high speed ventures. That is, um, you know, a bunch of other. Essentially, I'm saying, okay, I've got this this capital, and I want this percent return. And I understand there's a portfolio and risk. I mean, you need to learn yeah. how to do that. Some people spend more time learning how to play a video game than they do understanding how to manage their money. Mm -hmm. And that's why rich people that come into wealth lose it relatively Mm -hmm. quickly Mm -hmm. because they didn't build the understanding of how do you manage that kind of money? You know, Jim Rohn a long time ago, he's got this amazing YouTube video. That's like, you know, if you took all the money in the world and distributed to everybody evenly within a short amount of time, it would be back in the hands of the same people that had it like literally, I believe that's my core. You could yeah. take all the money in the world, give everybody, split it up evenly, and because of their beliefs, mindset, actions, etc., it would slowly work its way back into yeah. the same hands of the people that had it from the beginning. So why is that? Um, so that's about me, about my philosophies. I'll let you drive. I love it, dude. This is this is the stuff. You know, when you're in school, there's so many times when I was like in my 20s where I'm like, why wasn't I taught this in school? Why wasn't I taught this in school? It's like I almost had to unlearn everything I learned up to the point where I was 18 and relearn a different way of doing things, especially when I started getting around. I'm going to call it the word winner. Um, and winning can have many different definitions. Just people I wanted to have their energy and have their passion and have their drive. What what the time for money, money for time and money for money things reminded me of um, Roger Hamilton's book, The Millionaire Master Plan or something. I sent it to so many people. Is he the guy that created the wealth dynamics test? Yeah, and then he's got that wealth uh, pyramid. It's got Pyramid. three levels from infrared I to... I love Roger's stuff. He's a biggest genius. Ways, yeah, I got was the 
are you able to deal with higher quality problems? So he right. calls them $10 problems, $100 problems, $1,000 problems. And that's right. really the whole principle. One of my life beliefs is, you know, become the person who can deal, right? Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Right. You know, and that anytime, you know, another one of my mentors, this guy named Peter Crohn's, um, he had a great interview with Ed Milet. If you guys are listening to the podcast, you want to go, go search Peter. But he says that life will present you with situations and circumstances and people that will show you where you are not free. So what he means by that is anywhere you run into friction and pain should be a question mark for what is it about that specific situation or person that's causing me that emotion? Because if I don't work through that, I will always be blocked, what I call the ceiling of complexity, right? I have a really good friend of mine. Um, he owns a retail store and he got mad at me one day for texting him at like 5.45 in the morning. And I was like, well, why don't you just turn your phone on airplane mode or silent mode and don't worry about it. if I wake up early, why are you caring, right? And he goes, well, I need to know if the alarm goes off. Now, anybody hearing this can probably assume that somebody in the retail space has figured out a solution to make sure that somebody monitors your building in case somebody breaks in. His ceiling of complexity right. was shown to me in that comment. Does that right. make sense? 100%. So we all have these ceilings of complexity. And I think that when we run into pain and challenges and frustrations, those should be the beginning of a string you should start pulling on to figure out what is at the end of that. And if you can work on that piece, that'll be your new leveling up as Roger Hamilton kind of yeah. talks about regards to the adding another zero. I think every time I'm, I'm talking to someone or reading a book, I'm always trying to or trying to extract something for the audience. I'm like, what's the if I can get one thing or if anyone listening can get one thing, my thing, I already I've already got my million bucks. I'm good to go is you just seem to have this beautiful wherever this came from way of mm, growth. Like, I don't know if you see things as levels or if you see things as a game, but it's just like I can tell already that you just have this ability to. You see a problem, you can shrink from it, or you can grow to be the person who can handle that problem. Like you said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were stronger or better, whatever that is. But that's yeah. probably the reason why you just keep growing and there is no ceiling. And I think if we could all extract that and just look at the problems we have and be like, yo, like I can grow through this problem or I can just, this problem's going to keep knocking on my door until I find it's a solution ceiling. to it. It is literally the lid. And you know, I, uh, I'm lucky to draw, I like, I'm, I'm both, uh, kind of somebody that cares about the quality of my life. And I also like cool things. So I, I drive around in a McLaren and often, you know, kids will ask me like, how did you buy, like, what do you do? They all want to know, right? Yeah. You drive a supercar, they want to know, what do you do? And I'm like, I appreciate the question, but let me share this with you. I am sitting here as a person that was built by books. I believe that in my soul. There's, there's no other way I could have learned how to overcome all of these complexity ceilings if I didn't learn how to do that, right? And what I've learned through reading books and studying, I study billionaires. Like I literally, you know, I, I share this often on my Instagram where I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm studying David Rubenstein and Robert F. Smith from Vista Private Equity. And uh, like literally, the, there's so, this is what's crazy. Some billionaire sat down, looked at his life. There's actually a book called The Billionaire Secrets, I think, and it's an awesome book. Um, and he studied like, I think it was like 75 billionaires and, and looked for the patterns, right? Kind of a modern day Napoleon Hill, thinking grow rich. And what I've discovered is a few things. One 
is they design the game to never have to stop playing it. That's Warren Buffett, that's Steve Jobs, that's Elon Musk, that's Bill Gates. Like, if you can just continuously refine and create this feedback loop, uh, and I call it the buyback principle, where the quality of your calendar and where you spend your time and the leverage you get with your time, it will never stop needing to be refined, but you've got this refinement loop, right? What I call ATF, okay? First, when the friction shows up, the ceiling of complexity hits, you have to audit. Let's look at where you're spending your time. Then you need to transfer things that are holding you back. You know, billion dollar companies were not built on $10 tasks, right? So taking those that, that stuff out of your calendar, giving it to somebody else, transferring it, not transferring tasks, but transferring outcomes. So that's another big problem people make. They hire people to tell them what right. they do. I call it transactional leadership. They tell them what to do, they tell them what to do next, and then they check that it got done, okay? The problem with that is that about 12 employees, about 1.7 million in revenue, the complexity of that structure breaks down. You can't have that many direct reports that you are on top of and then hope that when you wake up and you have your to-do list that you're going to be able to help everybody else and get your stuff done mm -hmm. and not feel overwhelmed, not feel behind, not feel like you're not making progress, right? Yep. The alternative is what I call transformational leadership, which is how do I get clear about the outcome? How do I talk specifically about what we're going to measure, the, the North Star metric for that area of the business that is going to tell you if you're making progress or not? So it's self-referential feedback loop. And then how do I set up the game so that I can coach them to succeed so that they can't get too far along without making progress before they fail? Because a lot of leaders, unfortunately, don't realize it, but they're giving too much rope, right? And, and too much structure. You should create a cadence there. And that is how you end up investing up front into somebody that over time, they will start giving you that time back. Because if I teach them to communicate outcomes, if I teach them to measure when they're working on stuff, like what is the success criteria, and I teach them how to coach, I coach them and through osmosis, they learn to do that with their team, then I get leverage. The upfront investment's there and then I get it all back. And then they do it with their teams and that, is a process that can scale, whereas the other one, the transactional leadership, it's it's gonna your ceiling of complexity is gonna hit about two million in revenue, right? Because at each level, zero to three hundred in K in revenue, you need to learn how to delegate to at least a person. So some people are really well-paid specialists. Okay, a lot of doctors are like this, a lot of dentists, a lot of entrepreneurs. They're highly paid consultants, but they have not learned the art of delegating to another human being. Okay. So that's their complexity ceiling, 300,000 a year in revenue. Then the next right. level is that 2 million because you got to learn how to delegate to somebody else and start to build a team, okay? Now that'll only get to about two if you don't know how to build the team because to go from two to 10, you need to learn how to work through people to get an outcome that's delivered to the front line to the customer. That is a whole different level of beliefs, mindsets, and activities, right? Yeah. What if? Okay. I, I, one thing's coming up here because you mentioned right at the start, and I'll try to phrase it as best I can. But you said you designed your game to, you know, there's no game over or there's no ceiling. And then you mentioned, yeah, yeah. Then you mentioned in that Billionaire Secrets book that the same thing was said. And Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, they all designed the game to not end. What if you? I grew up in a trailer park. My vision for what was possible for my life was like, dude, if I can make five grand a month, I'm rich. Like I'm wealthy and. I'm going to call it luck, although I don't fully believe in luck, but just by getting me into different rooms where I felt uncomfortable, I started meeting people doing 
you know, way bigger things. I'm not even talking about numbers anymore. They're like, dude, I'm going to like, I'm going to obliterate poverty in Austin. And I'm like, whoa, like, where do you come up with that vision? So I'd fall into, I'd set up a target and then I'd hit it. And then I'd be in La La Land for 12 months, sometimes depressed because I had nowhere else to go. And then now I'm more proactive on it. I'm like, yo, we're coming close to our target. It's time to start redesigning this thing. What's the next stage? Talking to someone who just heard you say 5 million, 10 million, dude, building a massive company. And they're like, like I've, I've never even talked to some. I used to say this. I started actually supercars, funny enough. An early mentor gave me a challenge to, I see someone in a supercar eight years ago. And I was like, whatever, like that guy must be a crook, right? Basic broke mentality. And I was given the challenge to every time you see a nice car, approach the owner, gas station, wherever, and just ask them, hey, any advice for me? And I started doing that. And everyone was so open to, I sat in Lamborghinis and they were just so like willing to help. And I was like, okay, so that was the start of my journey of thinking bigger. But someone who just isn't handed that opportunity or given that, and I don't think anything's handed, so I'm using the wrong words here, but just stuck. They're really stuck. What's one thing that we could take away from this to start designing a game that we can't lose, start expanding that vision? Is it through books, mentors? Is it, what's the best way to do it? I mean, to me, the mentor concept Everybody's different. I'm, I, I do well being around other people, right? So sometimes you'll hear like, if you're the smartest person on your street, get a, you know, move, right? right? If you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. So what you discover is there's always another level. It doesn't matter who you are. Like even Jeff Bezos, like there's another level for him. Like Elon Musk in regards to SpaceX is his next level for where he's at with Blue Origin, right? right. So there's always another level. So if you can just be okay with that. It's not good or bad. It's really you against you from yesterday. So I'm not competing against any other person in the world. I'm competing about against me. So when you say that growth mindset, I appreciate it because it's a hundred percent what it's about. And you know, me and my brother joke about it because you gotta understand we have people in our lives that don't even read books, don't even understand personal development. Okay. So those people are here in their uh, awareness of the world and him and I read ferociously, invest time to be around incredibly smart people build big companies. Okay. He's one of the most successful home builders in the East coast and, and owns, you know, hundreds of apartment buildings, et cetera. And I'm the equivalent in software world. And, and, and when we talk to them, it's kind of funny because they don't understand what we're doing. We don't, it's kind of like, right. it's not bad. It's just like an ant trying to understand what a human does. Right. Like we've right. just, we've just continued to evolve our level of thinking and you've, you just shared your version, right? You used to believe this. Now you believe this. Well, what I'm what I'm going to encourage everybody to understand is that you have beliefs today that are going to stop you from getting to that next level. And that's called the thermostat. Right. Guy named uh, Gay Hendrickson wrote about Mm -hmm. this in this Mm -hmm. called uh, Big Leap. Right. The upper limiting thinking. And to me, I just resonate with that. So, you know, like a thermostat's going to cool down a room or heat it up and everybody's got their thermostat set at different levels. Maybe your level is I'm okay having my bank account overdrawn. Other people is, and that's a low end. Mm-hmm. Other people might be like, unless I have $5,000 in my bank account, I'll freak out. Same thing with your weight. We all have these thermostats mm-hmm. set for different areas of our life. So then the question I ask my clients, because I coach them incredibly successful individuals, is how are we going to reset your old high to your new bottom? That's the question. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I try to let them figure it out, but I'll give you guys the answer. It's about identity. 
It's really simple. You have a belief about what your worth is and who you are that's causing you to see the world through that lens, okay? So you have a belief about how how much weight is too much weight until you decide to get your shit together. You have a belief around what your bank account should be doing before you realize I'm not living to my potential. So if you can raise your identity in regards to what who you think you are, what you're capable of, then the activity is typically around environment, right? Finding another street, moving to another street, and deliberately investing in those relationships. Like, you know, I read a book called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi back when I was 25, and that book transformed my life. Another book, similar topic in the book was uh, Love is a Killer App, right? That was the first book I ever read in my life, Love is a Killer App. Nobody's ever heard of it. Tim uh, Sanders has now become a friend of mine, which is fascinating because, like, I remember reading that book going, what an incredible human. Um, and the fundamental thing is you hear this is like your network is your net worth. And here's why it is, is because if I lost it all today, as long as I had my relationships and my integrity and all those things would have to be true for my relationships to stay, those people would support me and my beliefs and my activities would support me to get back to where I'm at in a third of the time. That's just the reality. Somebody learns to play guitar and then you ask them like, if you knew what you knew now, how quick could you get to being good at guitar? It's a third of the time. Of it's like, because you don't have to go through all the lessons learned. You just, you've built that identity. I am a guitar player. Right. I am a, you know, a hundred million dollar earner. I am a, whatever. So it's like, the cool part is if you take Jeff Bezos, you take everything away from him, you throw him in the middle of the Amazon, literally the physical Amazon, he couldn't help himself but create what he's created because that's all he knows how to do because that's his identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing people could do if you're the type of person that is easily inspired by proximity of other people is network and get around other people that are playing at a bigger game. Not too big because they'll be too far for you to even connect some of the dots. Just three to five years ahead of you. And I think that's a big thing. You're, I kind of look at your peers, your advisors, advisors and your mentors. Your peers should be about two to three years ahead of you. Okay, your your advisor should be people that have expertise in the things that are your blind spots. Right. And then your mentor should be people that have accomplished what you're looking to accomplish. So if you want to change the world, then you should have a few mentors that have done that. Right. And they may not give you tactical advice for it's relevant for 2021 or today's age because you'll get that from your peers. But they will give you the perspective and the beliefs to really help you refine and reset your identity. It's been the like- books will help with all that but i don't think anything's more powerful than proximity to 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 move the thermostat up set the old high as your new low and really build that identity 100 percent agree it's been like 25 minutes and i i usually fill up maybe like half a page of notes and i've got a page and a half so i'm going to send this out we're going to put it all into like the best description that's ever existed and i give relevant links the big leap was it was actually given to me by a friend when i was like like minus $5,000 in the bank identity. And I started actually drawing out a thermostat. And to this day, I still do it of like, hey, you know, the company now earns 2.5 million a year. And during the year, I set the thermostat and I keep filling it in. And it's like a visual of like, this is where we're here. It worked for my personal finances. It worked for my energy levels. It worked for everything. Um, So I've been doing something lately on the podcast of if there's a book that really resonates for like, let's say for this, I made a mistake of doing the last 20 and it was overwhelming. The first five people to email us, you know, who want the big leap, I'll Amazon that to you within 24 hours because I think it was so impactful for me. 
Um, and if you haven't read The Big Leap and you don't care about, you just want to go get it yourself, I highly recommend you do. I think that's a great recommendation. Dan, I could we could talk for probably 24 hours because you just spew beauty and art. I want to ask you one question before we wrap this up. Two questions. The last one is going to be where can people find you, but the first one is going to be, like you said, if you knew then what you know now, like the guitar player or like Jeff Bezos, and you could give yourself the nugget at 17 years old when you started this journey, what would that be? It, it would be fundamentally that you need to get better at buying back your time. Like you make money, you should be looking to redeploy it and bringing people in your life that buy back your time so you have more time to go create more value, not buy back your time to have more time or to buy expensive shit, even though I've done that and it's super fun. The real fun part in business is when you've created an empire and like you've got you know, 35 to 50 lieutenants that you know you could assign any one of them to a project and know they would get it done. That's incredibly powerful. And I wish I would have got there quicker if I would have learned those concepts when I started. So beautiful. So beautiful. Uh, where can people find you if they want to? I know you have a YouTube channel that is very knowledgeable. I know a lot of it is um, SAS. but Yeah. So I would say if you want to learn the how-to tactical stuff, follow me on YouTube. If you want to be inspired with my daily life and my thoughts, follow me on Instagram and check out my stories. Um, but I publish on all platforms from Twitter to LinkedIn to TikTok. I've got a big audience on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and my email is dan at danmartel, 2lsdmartel.com. Um, obviously, try to be short, specific. How can I help? Um, and somebody on my team will get back to you. I do get all my emails, but I don't process them because I get hundreds. But that is my email. I'm here to you know, impact as many lives as I can while I'm here. And, uh, the more successful I get, the more I'm going to work my ass off. Like, okay. and I hope if you're, if you're down for that, that journey, then, then come follow my stuff. If you're not, really probably that's not you just saying it. I've, I've really noticed that in your stuff. I know you were speaking, I think somewhere in Kelowna with, with kids, like you're always doing something for the communities and it's blatantly obvious. So I love that. Don Martel, Dan Martel, two L's on Instagram. I think that's where, most of you are going to want to go, and then I'm sure it's a, a beautiful place to connect in different ways. Dan, thank you so much. I really want to respect your time. I know we're on a hard stop here, um, but I appreciate you guys. Reach, reach out to Dan um, and, and check his stuff out. Appreciate you, Dan. Thank you. Talk soon, man. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free, and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.